Hail the King of the Jews. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. How do you illustrate kingship? Let me actually begin by giving you the lyrics of an African-American spiritual. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? I love those last two words, my Lord. We don't live in a medieval society. We don't even live in a monarchy. We live in a republic. We don't have the concept of a king. But I love those two words, my Lord, because built into that very song is the idea that this king will set everything right. This king will bring his gracious rule to bear. The passage that we just read of Jesus being hailed as king with St. Paul telling us that even God the Father will hail Jesus as king with the prophet Isaiah telling us of this resolute servant who will set his face like flint towards Jerusalem until he accomplishes his goal, tells us three basic things about this king. That we have a dream of a king, we're also disillusioned with the king, but we also dream of deliverance from the king. C.S. Lewis wrote in an essay about chivalry or the idea of nobility that in the medieval ages, you, you see it summed up in the person of Lancelot. And C.S. Lewis said, Lancelot was seen to be meekest at table and fiercest on the field. He held together these two qualities that normally don't go together. And we saw that in the Palm Sunday reading where it says, behold, your king comes to you, humble and riding on a donkey. An exalted king humbly riding to our rescue. We all have this dream of a king. Look at all of our stories, our mythologies. Look at the idea of, of a once in future king in Arthur, or look at the stories of, of whether it's the Lord of the Rings, of a, of a king who will come and set everything right. We all dream of that. This dream is not too far from the people of Israel, just as African Americans during slavery in the, eight, in the 19th century looked for the king to rescue them, so the people of Israel used that same word, my Lord. They longed for a king. They had had a king. They had a King Saul, then they had a King David. David instantiated all that was thought to be noble in the people of Israel. And then that dynasty fell and that empire came to an end. And Israel was exiled. And then you had the Maccabees come and you had the Hasmonean dynasty come and they tried to re restore this kingship. So it was something that everyone knew about. They knew this idea of a king. If only we had this king, we could be free again. They dreamed of that. They dreamed for the return of a good king. But it also brings us to the idea of a disillusionment with the king. Because if you rewind to the book of 1 Samuel, you see that 
Israel has made it out of slavery from Egypt. They've been living in Canaan for a couple of hundred of years, and God has given them judges and prophets, but they want to be like all the other surrounding nations. They want a king to fight their battles. They want a king to rule them justly. So they come to Samuel and say, give us a king. And Samuel says, if I do give you a king, you do realize that uh, he's going to raise your taxes. It's like everyone, look, we, we want good leadership, so we vote someone out so that we have good leadership. But guess what? It might mean your taxes go up. You voted for him. That's how it works, okay? That's just an illustration. I'm not making any political commentary there, okay? Because I know, given the statistics, some of y'all voted for that person, some of y'all didn't, so who cares? It's just an illustration. But the point is, is that even when we vote someone in who we think is not going to be mean on Twitter, we still see kids in cages. We want justice. We want justice. We don't want people being torn apart, their families torn apart. It wasn't right underneath the other guy. It's not right under this guy. Every political leader lets us down. And any time that you instantiate that kind of dreams on any political leadership, it's idolatry. We're all disillusioned with our leaders because they all let us down. Saul let everyone down. Samuel said, he's going to raise your taxes, and by the way, he's also going to constrict your sons, and they're going to go to war. He's going to send them to far-flung places that you don't even care about, and they're going to have to fight and die for Israel. And the people say, well, that's not the deal we want. We want a king. We want someone who's infinitely powerful, but infinitely merciful. And we're not finding that in Saul or in David. And yet there's this hope for it. And that's why on that day of Palm Sunday, there's these branches being waved in the air. Because you know what branches were back then? It was just a cheap form of a ticker tape parade. Ticker tape is a little bit more expensive. There in the Middle East, you just cut down a couple branches and you wave them and it was a ticker tape parade. But they recognized that Jesus was this king. But there also was a disillusion. Just outside of Oxford, there is this, um, there's Blenheim Palace, which belongs to the Duke of Marlborough. And on the gates of that palace, in, there's the motto of that family. The motto is not in Latin, it's actually in Spanish because the Duke of Marlborough fought the Spaniards, and it says, fiel pero desdichado. It says, faithful but forlorn. You see, he fought well for his country. He delivered them from the scourge of continental oppression and the continent taking over England. And even after that happened, he was then rejected by his country. The Duke of Marlborough, even though he was a great military leader, his country rejected him. We see in the person of Jesus this same rejection. In fact, it's even worse. He's not just faithful but forlorn. It's, he's cosmically forlorn. They bring him in front of Pilate, and Pilate says, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus says, you have said so yourself. And then trying to figure out how to work these internal politics of the nation that he is governing. The governor, Pilate, brings Jesus before the crowd, and he also brings another prisoner, an insurrectionist, a bandit, a lestai by the name of Barabbas. 
That's what Mark tells us. What I love about the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is that they're eyewitness accounts, and they actually have embarrassing stories in them. Matthew actually has something very embarrassing in that story. He's not just called Barabbas. He's called Jesus Barabbas. Mark and Luke decide that's embarrassing. We don't want the bad guy to have the same name as the good guy in the story. Jesus was a very common name in the first century. And, he, and Pilate says, do you want me to let Jesus of Nazareth go free? Or would you like me to let Jesus Barabbas go free? And the whole crowd yells, give us Jesus Barabbas. And of course, you and I don't speak Aramaic, at least not fluently that I know of. Um, but I can just imagine Jesus having a beautiful smile on his face at this point. He's already been whipped. He's already been sleep deprived. He knows that he's about to experience abandonment on the cross. But this humble king who is resolute and re resigned himself to the will of his father also is in complete and utter confident control. Because here's the thing that happens. When Pilate says, should I release Jesus or should I release Jesus? Would you like Yahweh is salvation or would you like Yahweh is salvation bar Abbas, the son of the Father? God the Father is so in control of human history that he even had abandoned an insurrectionist years and years and years before that received the name of Son of the Father. I love that. God the Father is Lord of history, and he knows in the darkest part of Jesus' life, he needs words of encouragement. We are all disappointed with the king. We, we don't think God is running this universe just right. And in that deepest, darkest moment, we see that God says, I am running this universe perfectly. And I love that. That inspires us to then say, well, how does this deliverance come to us? How does this, how does this rescue from this king come? And I'll put it to you this way. Here's an illustration for you. In the 80s, I remember um, seeing photos and interviews of Princess Diana. And the reason why everyone loved Princess Diana was because she was this lady who was queen, supposedly to become queen of, of England one day. But she also would go to hospitals and embrace patients dying from AIDS. She was high and lofty and humble and meek. And you don't find those qualities in leaders. Jonathan Edwards, who is a great American theologian, though a flawed individual, put it this way. He says, in Christ Jesus, you find diverse, incomparable excellencies co-joined. Okay, that's a lot of words. He's just saying, you find things that are so diametrically opposed but joined together that it makes you want to worship Jesus. He's infinitely high and infinitely low. He's infinitely just. He's also infinitely merciful. He's infinitely humble and resigned to God's will, and he's infinitely in control of the universe. That is how this God 
rescues. He rescues us because he joins together what you and I could never ever hold together, what the church cannot hold together, what society cannot hold together. People of different races together. People of different backgrounds together. People of any walk, creed, color together. That is what Jesus Christ can do. G.K. Chesterton said, Christ was born in a cave and Christianity was born in the catacombs. People of every walk of life came together because they were united in allegiance to King Jesus. Jesus unites heaven and earth. And at this table, we will see heaven and earth meet. We will see the eternal word in broken bread. We will see the one who divested himself of all of his glory, as St. Paul tells us. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or exploited or used, but rather humbled himself and took on the very form and nature of a servant, becoming obedient, obedient even unto death, death of the cross. Therefore God exalted him high above all else, that at the name of Jesus Christ every knee should bow and every tongue shall confess to the glory of God the Father that Jesus Christ is Lord.